Broadcasting live from the middle of America, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Covering local market data, news, and reports to arm you with information you need to empower your investing and strengthen your American rights. Top Realtor, investor, husband, father, and veteran. Here is your host, Landon Witt. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in today. We got a special here at the Chamber of Commerce here in Oklahoma City to address a question that a lot of you have written in emails asking what's going on with the job market in Oklahoma City. I know the federal jobs uh, report or the Bureau of Labor report is kind of vague on exactly what Oklahoma City is about. Some of the construction's been booming and also oil and gas. What does that mean? We've historically been very dependent on oil and gas, but that's actually changed over the last years. And I'm here with the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, Roy, to talk about this change that's happened in Oklahoma City. Roy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, happy to have this conversation with you. Excellent. So let's just nip the first question in the butt. Are we as dependent on oil and gas as we were, let's say, 20 years ago? Well, I hate to get into the weeds, but I will. Um, too often people paint Oklahoma City, the metro area, the way they paint Oklahoma. So Oklahoma is much dependent on oil and gas from a job standpoint and also from a revenue standpoint because of the tax on oil and gas. The Oklahoma City metro, though, is totally different from that. Um, as a percent of employment, we're much, much lower. Most of the employment in oil and gas is in rural Oklahoma. So when there's tough times in the oil patch, that's where it tends to get hurt. In fact, we've even had times when employment in rural Oklahoma and oil and gas went down and it went up in the metro area because they brought satellite offices back to the corporate headquarters. So we're a corporate headquarter oil and gas community. They don't drill oil and gas in Oklahoma City. They drill it in Oklahoma. So our dependency is very different than what the state of Oklahoma is. We have seen continued decline in employment, but that's predominantly headquarter employment and some of their other employment as well. But as a percent of our total employment, oil and gas only represents about 3%. When I give speeches and I ask people, what do you all think the percentage is? People say 20, 30, 40% of all the employment in the metro is oil and gas. It's 3%. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, so there's that misnomer that our metro looks like Oklahoma. It doesn't at all. Uh, the aerospace industry, the bioscience industry are more than double the employment of oil and gas in our marketplace, yet most people have no clue about that. The fastest job growth industry in the metro is the hospitality industry. We created that industry about two decades ago. It did not exist before then. So all of those sectors are really growing. Oil and gas is very stable or partially declining a little bit, but in the scheme of things, as it relates directly to jobs, not very significant. Relative to economic impact, yeah, because those are higher paying jobs than a lot of the other. So oil and gas has an economic impact, but our cities in the metro area don't rely on 
oil and gas taxes, so they're not impacted by mm -hmm. that. Mainly where they get interest, get impacted is if that industry is in a decline, is people have less buying power, maybe less retail sales purchases. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's gotten to the point now where because it's such a small percentage of overall employment, you know, a couple of changes don't significantly impact our economy. On the metro area, state, yes. Mm. So very, very different apples and oranges. Sure, sure. Three percent is a is a huge uh, difference again from what the public sentiment is. You know, especially um, for you uh, international folks that are even watching. Um, so when we get past oil and gas, that, that number one question, then we're getting to uh, builders right now. The builder summit. Uh, one of the things that popped up this year. And this was by the um, head economist of, of Stuart Title, stating that builders, you need to watch the job market. Now, that's a no-brainer, right? I mean, if you're going to build homes, you got to sell it to somebody. That somebody has to qualify for a home loan. What does that mean in terms of overall job growth? We talk about unemployment, and we're among the lowest in the nation for unemployment. Right. But what about employment? Well, the last 12 months, we've netted about 8,500 new jobs. That's not as high as we typically do, but it's, it's not a significant difference. Uh, the previous 12 months, about 10,000. So, you know, 85 versus 10, you know, yeah, that's a few less, but not a significant drop-off. Um, so, you know, we see this kind of all the time, this market, is a slow, steady growth market. It's not fast, it's not slow, uh, but it's steady. Uh, we add about 20,000 people a year to the metro, uh, and that translates to you know 8,000 or so jobs. That goes up and down. You know, some years we might add 20 to 30,000. We usually don't add less than that. So we see those trend lines really continue. We're not an explosive market, never have been, and we're not a big contracting market. So mm -hmm. we we clip along usually at one and a half to two percent growth every year, mm -hmm. uh, which doesn't which sound is right in line with our, our population growth. Correct. Yeah, because that twenty thousand people moving a year, that's about what one point five percent. I think roughly. Yeah, roughly. And we're about one point four million in the uh, within the metro. Wow. So wow. 1.5 is, sure. you know, well, and, 20,000 plus. You've got a family moves here. Not everybody gets a job, right? Right. You know, exactly. Uh, you exactly. still have, uh, you know, lots of mothers doing hard work at home, taking care of the kids. And you've got kids that don't, don't get jobs but are still counted as population right. growth. Exactly. So that's your figures. Now, when we talk about 8,500 new jobs, well, how does that metric, when you say new job, is that more people getting a job, or is that new positions that have never it, been there before? It's net new jobs. Okay. So, yes, it is jobs that weren't there before. Mm -hmm. They And they could be very different from the ones that went away, because every year you lose jobs in many different business sure, sectors, industry sectors, sure. everything. But, you know, uh, where, where we're focused is on what we, what we refer to as primary jobs, and those are the jobs that truly build an economy. They export goods and services outside of our market and import wealth. About 
10 to 15% of jobs are those kind of jobs. Uh, and the rest of the jobs basically live off of that. Uh, like a retail sure. job sure. lives off of a wealth building job. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what we are really focused on because that's what builds an economy, not just circulates the resources within You're it. You're talking about importing funds like in the finance sector. I know there's a lot of IT. Yeah, I, I mean, if anything is value added, okay, mm -hmm. you could be a manufacturer of a product and you sell it in Texas or you sell it in Canada or you send it, sell it in London. You're importing that wealth back here. Sure. But it can also be, you could be an international attorney. Right. You could be an international retailer. Right. Uh, you know, so it, it's not really what industry sector you're, all, you're in, but where's your customer? And if your customer is out of our market, then you're importing wealth when you sell that good right. or service. I so that's the kind sure. of jobs we focus on because if you create those primary jobs, you automatically create the secondary service jobs. Hospitality. Yeah. So Absolutely. you know, if you make a hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. and that salary is all coming from North Carolina, that's a hundred thousand now in our economy that didn't exist, and you're gonna spend that money more likely than not, most of it in our market. You know, sure. a car or a house or clothes or food or whatever. Uh, so maps three which was voted on. It's the penny cent tax. I talk about it on the show all the time, but for those that are just watching this episode, it's a penny tax of some sort that has been added to sales uh, of merchandise in Oklahoma City that helps fund at the end of, what, a seven-year period that then pays cash for, for uh, infrastructure that the city has voted on. And this MAPS 3 included something called well, the convention center, which is Scissortel Park as well, which is a hundred and thirty million dollar park, and then I think the convention center is already three hundred three hundred million dollar project. This could be, uh, I think, opening the the end of next year. Is that right? Correct. So, how a year from now? So, what's the strategy for that, and and how can we kind of brace for that coming into the market, and for those that maybe are on the verge of okay maybe thinking of opening a new restaurant here or, or relocating to Oklahoma City. How does the, the convention center play into all that? Well, you, you know, um, we promoted this idea uh, in MAPS 3, which that election was, gosh, uh, over eight years ago. So uh, we knew 10 years ago that the hospitality industry had significant growth potential in our market because we saw it beginning to take off. But we also saw we lacked adequate infrastructure. When you look at our current convention center, it's nearly 50 years old. And it's probably a third tier convention center in terms of quality. So we saw the opportunity for that. We uh, encouraged the city council to include that in MAPS 3 and then the chamber ran that campaign. And that was one of eight major projects in MAPS. But this facility more than doubles the size of the current convention center. Plus, it's a class A convention center, not a class C. There's a 650-room Omni hotel going in next door. So obviously, Omni is high on this project. As you mentioned, there's a $130 million park across the street. There's a $130 million transit system that serves it, modern streetcar. There's a new parking garage, apartment complex going in next door to it as well. But the, the neat thing about the hospitality industry, it, it, it's a primary job provider. 
here are people coming in from outside, spending their money here, and then going home, which is the most purest form of economic development there is. Right. You know, you, you don't have to educate their kids. <laughs> sure. You don't have to take care of their social needs. They're, they're gone, and they dump this money into our... So we see that the convention center and the hospitality industry is going to really remain a strong sector. But we're already booking... We run the Convention and Visitor Bureau, the Chamber does, mm -hmm. and we're already booking conventions into mm -hmm. the new convention center that won't be open, you know, for another year. Wow. So That's there's wonderful. a lot of excitement around the country. Our convention center has been featured in a number it's of meetings, really you know, meeting uh, uh, magazines and entity, entities like that. So we're kind of the talk of the town. It's really unusual to build a brand new convention center. Most cities renovate or add to their existing one. We're one of the few cities that are building a brand new one from ground up. So it's it's kind of the talk of the industry. And sure. we're excited about that. And debt-free. Debt-free. Debt-free, debt which is unheard of in the world today. <laughs> well, and in December the 10th, we're going to be voting on MAPS 4. That's right. That's right. Uh, and that's the biggest yet. Uh, Eight years, nine months, uh, about $980 million for projects. Uh, and just to give you an example, uh, we've conducted a number of economic impact uh, analysis based on MAPS in investments. And if you go back to MAPS 1, 2, and 3, um, those combined to be about $1.5 billion. The economic impact they generated in terms of new development over and above that is in excess of six billion dollars. Mm -hmm. So these things are economic engines. I'll give, you, I'll give you another example. Sure. When the city council announced where the modern streetcar was going to go in 2011, eight years ago, we did an impact analysis of that time to this time, and on the tracks about $1.5 billion has been spent on new investment along the streetcar route. So that just gives you an example of how when communities make these investments and they do them smart, they create a huge secondary impact that is connected to but not a part of the first one. And that's what we anticipate with the park, with the convention center, that that's going to create a lot more investment than just that itself. Well, Roy, I know you're a busy man. One final question, and this is what I know you investors are looking for and you're asking for. 2020, where do we invest? Well, you know, what's interesting about this market is it's not so much a, a, an area or a region. It's kind of all over. If you look at our market, you see development in all quadrants. You see growth in the El Reno, Yukon, you know, West area. You see growth east, the Shawnee area. You see growth Edmond. You see growth south and Moore and Norman uh, and south Oklahoma City. So what's, what's kind of unique is it's everywhere. It's not, oh, it's just the northwest or it's just the southeast, which in a lot of cities, that's true. There's one or two or three. Scotland, the, yeah. the belt. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. and sometimes you're limited because of oceans, <laughs> our rivers, <laughs> our desert, you know. And and here we're not. So you know, we see 
we see relatively strong residential growth, commercial growth in all over. Now, industrial is geared to where land is and zoning, you know, around the airports and where existing manufacturing. We see office construction all over the market, not just downtown, not just in the northwest, not just on Memorial. And we see these commercial developments beginning to pop up. Something new, too, that we've seen in this market over the last, oh, I would say five to ten years, is the rejuvenation of neighborhoods, older neighborhoods. If you look around Oklahoma City, and downtown is some examples, but you can look at the Plaza District, the Paseo District, the 23rd Street Corridor, uh, and you see all of these old neighborhoods where people are coming in, buying housing, renovating the housing, creating retail centers that really never existed before. So these, these kind of new neighborhoods that are really kind of the, the, the place to be now, you still see subdivision development, but, but you're seeing so much inner city redevelopment. Right. And in Oklahoma City, right. inner city could be 30 miles away <laughs> because our city is so huge. 620 square miles. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But, but it's really great seeing these kind of pockets of older neighborhoods really getting renovated. And primarily it's young people coming in because they can buy these houses very reasonable, put some more money in it to update it. All of a sudden, they now demand retail. So restaurants, uh, retail operations, other kinds of service businesses start sure. coming in. So you know we have we've not we haven't seen that until beginning maybe a decade ago, and it's really getting traction. It's it's we're going to see a whole lot more of this rather than less, and that's kind of. Uh, reinvesting in what you already have as opposed to building a whole lot more. Uh, so it's not going to stop the housing market growth, but it's a great phenomenon because it's showing people are reinvesting in their community instead of leaving it and investing somewhere sure. else. Sure. Among the categories, and we miss in closing, I promise I'll let you know, <laughs> <laughs> the construction industry has been booming here. We've had we've had gains, now we've got the road project coming up. Right. Okay. The last residential satisfaction survey was heavy on a need for road improvement. Right. That was one of the main concerns. I can only estimate that that generates jobs temporarily, but then we see a fall off after that. When we see something like the number one growth metric, at least from the Bureau of Labor coming out of the federal government, stating that construction is our largest growth sector, where finance, I think in the last two months, has even dropped down. How do we interpret that when we when we look at construction? Is construction just a fly-by-night thing where we should ignore that? Or is that a growth that we're expected to kind of stay within just because the city's going yeah, to stop? Well, I mean, the reason we see a lot of it is because we as voters chose we wanted it. Right. Uh, you know, we passed uh, several years ago a billion-dollar city bond issue, over half of which was road construction. But most of a city bond issue has to do with construction. It tends to be roads, you know, uh, drainage, fire police stations, uh, other city infrastructure that's needed. So usually a bond issue is pretty much construction. Uh, but then whenever you build something, you got to take care of it. So the more you build, the more jobs you're going to have to continue to have to take care of what it is you built. 
to maintain it or to run it or to manage it. So it, it, it's, it's not long-term permanent jobs in a construction project, but at least it's jobs that wouldn't have been there had you not done it. <laughs> so what we're seeing though too is just the continued expansion. That bond issue was a billion. Well, the MAPS one now we're following up on is 960 or 80 million. There'll be another bond issue after this. There'll be another school bond issue. There'll be a county bond issue. So it's not like there's going to be an end tomorrow of construction jobs. Sure. Uh, that, you know, and, and, and usually when you improve the infrastructure, you cause additional investment to happen. So you build a new road, all of a sudden people build commercial enterprises, houses, and all that kind of stuff along that road. So the more the infrastructure is enhanced, the more consumers will want to take advantage of that. Either live on it, drive on it, build on it, or whatever. So the, the higher the quality of infrastructure, the more investment is going to come and follow on that. Folks, you heard it for, for yourself. CEO of the Chamber of Oklahoma City here, Chamber of Commerce. Thanks for watching. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit OKCRealEstateShow.com.